1: so, to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. <laughs>
2: my name is bond james bond my instructions were implicit i was to leave for jamaica in two hours licensed to kill
1: now you maybe miss it you don't miss a thing
0: i decided to accept your invitation
1: i have to leave immediately The explosive screen dramatization of the book that has entertained millions of readers. The exotic and tantalizing Dr. No.
2: Some people will go to any extremes for a little privacy. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or you know, just are not asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This week we'll be heading to Jamaica of our own accord uh, to battle spiders, fight dragons, and try and stop a man who does take no for an answer. Yes, it's Doctor No. And joining me to crush golden statues to prove our virility and strength is writer, author, and Bond fan,
0: Mark O'Connell hey hey how we doing I'm how's, how's, good. The, how's the line in jamaica are we, are we getting this we're good we're going yeah. direct from crab key great yes yeah. i've got strangways secretary on the uh the com links so it usually works strangways here we come yep it's my favorite joke um so mark
2: supply your credentials for those who don't know yes
0: which one? Oh, that one the bond one the bond, um, the
2: bond one You. the cheeky... bond one yeah
0: i'm a Bond fan, I always say that, I'm a Bond fan, writer, author, um, wrote a book called Catching Bullets, memoirs of a Bond fan which grew out of a rather different broccoli springboard as I call it, where my grandfather was a chauffeur and other things, Uh, worked with Cubby for well over 30 years and was, well, Cubby and Broccoli and Bond were in my family before I ever was, so um, I sort of inherited it, I became the family fan and um, yeah, I just wrote a book about being an 80s Bond kid. Uh, it was sort of my attempt to do fever pitch for the VHS Roger Moore generation. <laughs> and, it, and it sort of uh, snowballed from there in a great, happy, universal exports type way. It's a
2: magnificent book. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. you. Um, and I'm so pleased to finally got it. We, we've been talking about this for bloody ages.
0: Yeah, we yeah we were talking about this before No Time to Die started filming. So yeah, yeah we, this was like sort of, 42 years ago. Yeah, No but, Time um, to Die
2: was 1986, wasn't it? They started that's, that.
0: that's right. That's when it was going to come out. Well, yeah. That yeah, on, is very good. On this day in Bond history, No Time to Die was coming out, but um, I'm sure it will come out eventually. Did you do
2: that mild sigh when you realised that that was the day you were going to go and
0: see it? My phone, in fact, it still does it. I never went through my phone and deleted <laughs> appointments for the rest of the year and on premiere night. That was a bit of a oh harsh one as I was sort of sat in my... Star Wars pajamas nestling a slightly warm glass of gin, going, Yeah, could have been somewhere very different, right? Um My YouTube so- my YouTube algorithm threw up the trailer again the other day. Oh oh that's harsh.
2: I know. So I was like, oh I'll watch it again. And it was only when I was watching it when Ray Fine stands up and says, Where's 007? I suddenly thought, Oh, we might not be talking about Bond. Oh, oh
0: yeah, oh gosh. Oh.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, um so, yeah, I got all excited y- again.
0: Yeah, no, it's it was one of those Tragic things but it, it'll happen. Uh, let's see if it happens in November.
2: And As it turns out it was completely the right decision.
0: Yes. Yeah, but I mean the, the, this, the decision got slightly mocked and ridiculed it did. but Bond guess what Bond sometimes is ahead of the curve and mm. if and when these things can come back to us and the celluloid can start flickering again. I feel Bond could be like the Ben-Hur poster boy of, of all of this in yes. terms of movies and entertainment Um Uh, yeah so just a little more patience will draw hopefully a better prize and it's a shame because i was beginning to hear really great little things you know very privately very off the record that Hmm. there was a confidence with the film and it was done people were happy with it the whole reshoot thing and it needing to go back was a load of old um old stale martini rubbish that was uh (laughs) And I uh, think people are happy with it. It's, it's a bit like, you know, like the athletes that can't go to the Olympics. The uh, the Bond camp were primed and trained and ready for this. Suddenly to have to stop at the last moment and sort of go back to the bench is hardest for them more than anyone.
2: Oh yeah, especially as they were all kind of geared up to do all the promotion around the time, weren't they? I felt, yeah. I mean, they've probably got hours of interviews to stored away to till November now. I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, and poor Daniel Craig, he can't, like, have a beer or a kebab for, like, eight mm. months. Because <laughs> so, normally he's sort of just got off the film into the premiere. But, um, yeah. yeah, well, just fingers crossed. I'm sort of keeping an eye on other franchises, like, oh, what's Black Widow doing? Or, mm. you know, is that going to maybe... Um, I mean, people said, oh, look at Trolls 2, it came out online and has done well, but... I don't think Trolls 2 will be securing another 23 Trolls films. No. So um, I, th- yeah, uh, Bond has different missions to accomplish when it comes to cinema. No. So I don't think um, Troll- we'll see.
2: Trolls 2 may have finished itself by the time everyone's finished watching it. So.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And it's uh, yeah. I, don't, I, well, I could be very wrong, but I don't think streaming online is where the future of Bond is for right now.
2: No. No. But it seems fitting that we've just talked about the latest, the 25th, mm. and now we're going to talk about the very first.
0: The 21st, first, yes, yeah. absolutely.
2: Yeah, oh, I was just gonna say the very first James Bond film from 1962.
0: I know, cool. I was really in, pleased to see it again. I've seen mm. it, it was what, as a kid, and we talked about this. Mm. Um, it's one of those films where one of those Bond films, because I was Team Roger, I was Generation, yeah, Generation Trans America. I came in the late, uh, well, in the 80s, really, but so I kind of picked them up going backwards a hell of a lot. And Doctor No and From Rush With Love and Thunderball, they felt like the vinyl, the appearance had, that sometimes was cool if you listened to it, but other times, no, I just want to hear Band-Aid. Not that I'm equating Band-Aid with, um, I don't know, uh, Thunderball. But, um, yeah, I... Well, it goes on a
2: bit, and there's the underwater sequence at the end in Band-Aid that no one likes.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And both have... um, Boy George doing really random things. (laughs) Um, But, no, I i am always surprised but how slick the doctor No is and i don't yeah. want to uh, talk over perhaps your trajectory of uh, attack here but i i watched it again last week and i was like my god this is a fully fledged bond film already its greatest trick is it's pretended we've missed five bond films i think yeah it is um you know they forget the usual repartee and all of that's like yeah it's really trying to put its hand in the air and say look we can make more of these it's a very plucky film with a, a great hunger to prove itself and i think it that you know mostly successfully does
2: it feels like a, a demo uh of like when you hear a really good song and then they release the reissue years later
0: and then on the bonus track it's a demo of it and you're like oh okay yeah funny you say that i think that perhaps the, the one factor that's aged most badly when it comes to doctor note is its music score Mm. and it's not so much the score itself it's just the mixing in and out of it i I was like oh my god he's lit he's just opening a hotel door here and suddenly we have the bomb theme plowing through and the way it drops in and out it was a very different era of music editing and mixing but it it's really what uh you know film composer's called Mickey Mousing. He walks into a room, so does the theme. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's slightly, it's it's demo tapey with its own demo tape. Yeah. Um, well, because this I'm,
2: isn't John Barry. John Barry just does the the theme, doesn't he, at the end? Really. Yeah. Monty Norman yeah. scored this. And obviously didn't know, with all the best will in the world, and why would you if you have written it, what you had?
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, he did his, uh, Monty Norman did it because he was like one of the sort of West End darlings of the time. And, yes obviously had a good meeting with the Broccoli and Saltzman camp. I, when you listen to the score of Dr. No, it's trying to do this weird 1950s TV detective drama sound. It very, it barely just breathes. And it doesn't have those John Barry arrival moments or those John Barry midnight sunset, you know, romance moments. It's just forever American detective sound. And I can slightly understand why maybe Monty Norman was, you know, was, uh, put to one side a little bit uh, when they pushed forward with Rush of Love.
2: You can because when when Barry gets his score, his arrangement of the theme, you mm. just think, actually, I'd like I'd rather that guy. Thanks.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, it's weird because there's sort of the cool cat sounds of John Barry's arrangement of that, and he did more than arrange it. He might not have you know written all the letters and all the right uh, numbers, but he just gave life and oxygen and light to that. Uh, piece of music as well Um, and yeah and you've got this sort of clunky slightly the worst thing about Monty Norman's score for it is it's yesteryear it just sounds so dated, alright it will do nearly 60 years later but I I kind of felt it might have been like that at the time although saying that I think I love the Jamaican jump up stuff it feels like he, like Monty Norman had his, and maybe that's partly why they pulled him into the film because he had his eye on that sound and it felt like early, I mean, I'm not a big uh, musician uh, historian here, but there's a sort of Jamaican sound there that was just about to, you know, to come over and uh, swamp the mod scene and really, you know, and move out into the the club scene of uh, London. I think he he was very clever to get that. And I love the the sort of songs of the film actually are better than the score. Yes.
2: Also, you know, the story Monty Norman tells about how he was asked to do it and he was a bit hesitant Mm. And then he said, "They said you can bring your whole family out to Jamaica."
0: Yes, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: I'll do that. Yeah, it's fine."
0: And then bless this house, wife came with him and yeah. du- doubled up for Dana Coopland, who was his wife at the time. She, she obviously yep. did the um, that's and one of those factoids we all heard as a kid. But yeah, yeah. she she did the uh, the actual singing of I think one of fifty two people dubbing Ursula Andress in that
2: film. Yeah, she sang underneath the mango tree.
0: That's right. Yes. Yeah,
2: when Sean joins in. Mm, yes, um, yeah. But yeah, so Monty Norman's song originally it was called Bad Sign, Good Sign mm. for a proposed musical he was writing for that, A House for Mr. Biswas
0: And was not the opening line or the line of the Bond theme I was born with an unlucky sneeze which yes. is so zeitgeist for 2020 perhaps, perhaps Monty knew something we didn't. We've gone full circle Mark
2: Yes um, But the film kicks off with a um, Queen's Club a, a private members only Mm, where mm. the aforementioned Strangeways is playing cards with his friends. Mm, and then there's an immediately murdered by three blind mice, which we get in the opening credits, which again are getting quite schizophrenic because you have, as we mentioned, the Jamaican music, and you've got this like bongo solo, mm. and then three blind mice done as a Jamaican sort of cod reggae version. But again, it's like we were talking about, the things are there, like Monty Norman's, is it Monty Norman who did the credits first? I'm sure it is, isn't it? Not wanting uh, no am sorry, Maurice Binder. Oh,
0: Maurice Binder, yeah, he yeah. definitely did them. And allegedly very late in the day with bits of round, sticky white circles that he almost found in a corridor and just threw at the meeting he had to have. And it was his idea
2: to put a, a, a homemade pinhole camera inside a gun barrel mm. to, to shoot at Bob Simmons. And apparently that was very last minute. Yes. And then yeah. here we are like 50 odd years later, and that is the iconic Bond thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, often the last-minute decisions or creative decisions are the ones that stick the best. Um, no, I, I mean, I think those titles. Again, watching it recently, those titles are so fast and energetic for mm. you know a film that's nearly sixty years old. And when you look at other cinema that was around, *To Kill a Mockingbird* and uh, any other film that I can't think of that came out in nineteen sixty-two, um, it's again there's a pulse and a pluck about those titles um, that you know sets out the bond. Table brilliantly from the get go,
2: absolutely. But after Strangways is murdered, we then see his secretary, she's murdered, and the files for Crab Key and Doctor No
0: are taken. Hmm. Mm. Yes, they do love a good filing cabinet in a bomb film, even from the get go. I used to think, I always think it was Peter Lamont um, who was obsessed by uh, filing cabinets in his production design, but no, um, Ken Adam got there first. Because Peter Lamont
2: famously put the uh, was it the money? Penny have her makeup. In a filing cabinet.
0: Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it might be I, Octopussy. It's one of the 80s. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's doing... Uh, probably not Octopussy, because she's got her little assistant in that one. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird moment where the... Uh, yeah. the Because uh, <laughs> all women want to look good in the workplace. Especially
2: when James Bond's coming.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and she's, she's forgot to get Angel Delight from the local co-op, so she can't woo him for dinner. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Uh, but so London are concerned because they haven't heard from their man in Jamaica. So they decide to send a, a message to their top agent at the club, which is called Le Sequel, Ambassadeurs London, which is yes. kind, a kind of a sort of reassuring club for upper class people where you can, it looks like you could run over a poor person in the car park and no one would mind.
0: Yes, yeah, and it's actually a real place and it's a gorgeous set I was again watching it going, that's a beautiful set because it's all one sort of set and one vision mm. um, I suppose it is the set that launches Bond, so they have to slightly go for it but again, it's that there's a sense of old school you know, English, London private members club traditions and Bond just is presented as something beyond that already he's like, he's that's not his world he can move within it, but it's not actually his world
2: and we talk about things that get right in this film and you can't argue for a second because it's always number one in the most iconic Bond moments ever. Mm. Connery's introduction as Bond. I mean, it's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He sort of gives his name when no one really fully asks. I know she mm. asks, who are you? But he sort of gives the full moment. And, uh, and the score, you know, the, the theme, if, if, Monty Norman can throw up the score at any point, and that's the point he's allowed to. Some of the rest of it in the film's a little um, clunky. But, yeah, when he pulls that in and Connery lights a cigarette, it's, it is a moment, yeah. And, and it, it probably felt like a moment at the time as well. That's why it's you know, so important, yeah. I, I would imagine. Um, it didn't just become iconic 20 years later. It was iconic sort of 20 minutes later.
2: It makes you wonder whose decision it was ultimately to have him say Bond, James Bond, because, again, much with the gun
0: barrel, yeah, I, maybe it's a Terence Young thing. The director—he mm. was quite, quite keen on the 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 chap essence of Bond, the gentleman, the accoutrements. Perhaps that was just one of his affectations. Because that's who
2: Connery credits with his Bond performance, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah. He. I mean, Terence Young took Connery under the under his wing when yeah. he was cast very famously. And it was that famous line about wear your suit in bed or crunch it up or something, just so you can feel it's yours and a good suit won't crease anyway.
2: Yeah, because Connery later said um, Sean Connery is not James Bond, Terence Young is James Bond.
0: Yes. And I think that's, for someone like
2: Connery, who seems like a, let's be honest, can be a bit of a dick, to be saying that decades later, that just shows the impact he had on him and how he couldn't possibly say for one minute that he wasn't down to himself.
0: Yes. Yeah, and Terence Young was the first man to direct No Time to
2: Die
0: as well. Yes, that's right. For fat fans, yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's got everybody who and uh, I think Bernard Lee's in it as well.
0: Yeah, in the No Time to, well, Tank Force or No Time to Die. Yeah, there's a lot of Anthony Newley who uh, went on to do golf. There's a hell the of song. a lot of
2: Bond people who worked on the original No Time to Die. It's yeah. quite funny.
0: Luke, yeah, I mean that's that's not an accident either, I would imagine. That's a good nice way of going full circle, I think. Yeah.
2: Um so Bond gets his message and he goes to see M. and this is where you get a bit of a strange bit. Uh, where he, he, he first walks into Universal Exports, we first meet Money Benny, and he goes to see M. And we get the um, scene where we meet the first Q, so Major Boothroyd, mm. played by a different actor who takes away his Bretta and gives him his Walther PPK. Mm. Mm. And we get a moment where M says that they're working for MI7, but as he says it, you can see that his lips are saying MI6.
0: Oh, right.
2: Which feels like a great pub quiz question.
0: Mm hmm. And it's also—I'll give you another one. I think I—I I picked up recently. I, I'm no gunsmith, but, and I could be wrong here. And I'll probably get pulled over the uh, the Bond gun. You—you uh, you will. Because yes. it's yeah, yeah. I will. I think it's—it's it's not a Walter PPK. It's a Walter PP. Hmm. But I will—I um, will put my hand in the air and get shot with any size gun if I am wrong on that one.
2: I always get shot. Don't worry about it. They'll leave Good. you alone.
0: Yeah, as long as it's not with a Beretta, because <laughs> that's a girl's gun. You it can't have that.
2: Uh, but this is interesting at this point, because we're getting Bond, um, slowly getting stripped away to the Bond we know, because in this film he loses the Beretta, and then in Goldfinger he loses the Bentley and gets mm. the Aston Martin. So it's slowly sort of evolving into the part that, I mean, you, you could argue that from Goldfinger onwards he doesn't change at all, apart mm. from the Lotus and the different Aston Martins and BMWs or whatever. Mm. As as yeah. he his setup, it remains the same. But these early ones, it's gradually a, a sort of accruing, bits that become the james bond we know later on mm,
0: mm. well the, the movie bonds like to they use fleming the harvest dna uh, even up you know no time to die i'm sure as many well-thumbed paperback flemings sat on the uh script table there but they also like to put their own stamp you know whether it's a moment of finality by dumping blofeld down a beckton gasworks chimney i'm sure i only to sort of say "Sort of, i mean that was that was about a different sort of political thing with McClory & Co, yes. but um, mm. yeah, they like to slightly just uh, show their independence. Also, you know, it was the 60s, let, we have to slightly move on and that's, you know, if, if Fleming's Bond was such a post-war project of 1950s-ness, then the cinematic Bond has to, had to evolve into the 60s and move it away from that. A bit.
2: Yeah, a bit. But we should also say as well, when we're talking about No Time to Die and this, there's another parallel in that this and No Time to Die have got the only cases that I can think of where a, a female is part of the screenwriting team.
0: Mm, yes. Um, yeah, Joanna Harwood. She did yeah. this and shadow sweep through on uh, From Russia of Love, the yeah. next film. Um, she, not the only one. She's the only credited one. Well, I was going to say credited, credited, I should say. Yeah, because yeah, there's, um, you know, Dana Broccoli alone, Cubby Broccoli's wife, uh, her hand and I, you know, fingerprints on a lot of those Bond scripts and those key Bond decisions. Uh, and I always say in the book that Bond was never made in a male vacuum. Hmm. Um, and even in uh, uh, 1999, when they shot, well, it's not enough. Um, I want to say Dana Stevens, who was Michael Ted's partner. She had a sweep through and wrote it. So yeah, women doing Bond or writing Bond is not that new, not uh, when you consider it kicked off that way. Um, but yeah, all, all more power to Phoebe Waller-Bridge and what she brings. Yeah, absolutely. I can't
2: wait to see it. Uh, also, in this one, we got Sylvia Trench, who becomes sort of Bond's girlfriend. Because another thing people forget is, in the beginning of From Russia the Love, he's still with her. Mm. Mm. He's the lady yeah. he's with at the river when he's gone cool yeah, at the beginning.
0: The plan was to probably have her in every film mm. um, for a while, but then I suppose Money Penny—that that was her role. Yeah, um, and I believe uh, Gayson's daughter crops up in one of the later films. I'm sure, uh, maybe just as a sort of. Poolside beauty, but I'm sure she's she sort of came back to the, the the circus. I wonder if it's
2: just Die Another Day. That's where they put all the cameos, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean everyone's kids in that one. Yeah, <laughs> Roger Moore and yeah, could be, could be. Again, I will uh, check that now. I
2: think George Lazenby dangles his balls into one shot in Die Another Day.
0: Oh, right, yes. Oh, gosh, that's a vision, isn't it? <laughs> it's disguised as a lava Is lamp. Is it 1969 but... balls or his 2002 balls? Yeah, These 2002, 2002 things matter. 2002 oh. balls, but they CG'd them. Yeah, well, I suppose the older ones would actually be visible in frame. <laughs> <laughs> because,
2: and and dang, they make them invisible, like the car, so you can't see them, but
0: he's there. But the cameras are really heavy on his knackers. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and they make it look like a lava lamp, so it's really tasteful.
0: Yeah, that, yeah I'm with that, I'm with that. <laughs> So
2: Bond basically gets, it's, they told you have to go to Jamaica and investigate this because we don't know what's happened to them. So he's, he takes his new gun, has a bit of a romp with Sylvia, and then flies off to Jamaica. Mm. Um, and he's being watched to the airport by a mystery man who we later find out is Felix Leiter. Now, our first Felix is mm. Jack Lord from Hawaii Five O, which at the time, well, no, was Hawaii Five O big at the time? I think it might have been.
0: It was big. I don't think it was quite. I think, yeah, my Hawaii 5 history is not great. Same. I'm not sure it quite kicked off in 62.
2: No, if it feels later, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it was more of, yeah, I can see it was more of a sort of 66, 67 yeah, thing, and I a friend agree. of mine's a massive fan, so I can hear him texting me angry now.
2: I think they should bring it back with Paul Dano as the lead part, so they can say, I'm going to book him, I'm Paul Dano.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah possibly, possibly, possibly. Wouldn't work as well no no no
2: but i think it would be a good nod he could also put his sunglasses half down and wink
0: Mm, mm.
1: my name's jason fleming
0: I like Jack Lord in the film. He's kind of... I think I mean, he's, he's great. He's, yeah. He, and he was, again, he was young. He was youthful. And I always say, Doctor Learn from Rush with Love, they have this sort of Kennedy-era sense of 60s about mm. them, which is mostly a hangover of the 50s. Whereas, also,
2: Kennedy was one of the last films Kennedy watched from Rush with
0: Love. Uh, well, it's one of his favourite... Yes, one of his favourite books. Yeah. I'm um, sure he so, saw the film before he was killed. It's a bit like Elvis. The last film he saw was Spy Who Loved Me. It's sort of like... Can famous men of the 20th century stop watching James Bond films, please? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jack Lord's part of that. He has that sort of Kennedy era, you know, uh, Kate Cod, slipped back hair and glasses. But he doesn't um, do a lot
2: in this, but he's very good at what he does.
0: Yes, yeah. And it's, you know, it was kind of, because Jack Lord was probably more of a name. Certainly the camera really picks up on him. And Connery walks mm. in as this semi-unknown. It was a bold move cause to have a Felix that's, dare I say slightly better looking and has got more screen oomph than, you know, early Connery.
2: Yeah, I mean, Connery, we should probably say that as well. I mean, it takes a lot of balls to do what they did here because Connery, it wasn't Mm. like he was an unknown, but he wasn't a leading Mm. man Mm. known. And to cast him as this huge role was...
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And that was down again partly to Dana Broccoli, who, this is one thing I always try and say in the book and say whenever I talk about Bond, there's this assumption that, and it, it was there with Ursula Andress coming out of the surf with her bikini and, and you know, Jill St. John. And it. it gets, the Bond films get chastised for in their heyday being a bit sexist. And, and I always say there's a difference between sexist and sexy. But people always overlook that Connery was not an ugly, you know, ugly old uncle. He was a hot, mm. virile man. I mean, those scenes where he's having that weird Karen Silkwood nuclear shower, uh, you know, just have a bit of yeah. bubble bath here, and that gets rid of all sort of toxic uh, nuclear energy. Uh, but he's hot. He is really hot. Yes, yeah, so is Erster Andrus. And mm. that gets overlooked. So, yeah, he he comes in, and it, again, it's not the role as written. The role is not as virile and as panther-like as Connery often gets uh, described. I And I do think time has still not caught up with how good Connery how much Connery brought to that role. There's a lot of accoutrements. There's a lot of DNA, whether it's Morris Binder or Peter Hunt, the editor, oh, yeah. um, and, and Ken, even Ken Adam and, and the suits and the whole pulse of it. it. It will only work because Connery finally and ultimately made it work.
2: Watching this, you can totally understand about um, the terror they had with from um, Majesty's Secret Service mm. of having to have someone new. Mm. To the, to the point where all the marketing came out beforehand with no face on it because they didn't want to scare people away with what the new guy looked like. So you had this kind of blank face on the mm, posters. Mm, mm. And you can understand it, though, because when you watch, when they must have watched back the rushes of this, they must have just thought, Christ, what have we got here?
0: Yeah, I, I, I can imagine there's always a concern about Connery. Um, but, you know... Perhaps it took an american and a canadian producer just to slightly think outside the box um although admittedly terence young british uh direct, but i doubt if, if it had a british director i don't think bond would have maybe cast connery it would have been more of an albert finney or a, a patrick magoo and it would have been someone that was slightly more established and you know the hardest role in cinema at the time to cast i don't know if, it wasn't quite the uh, screen test hunt that uh, Scarlet hara was i'm sure but it, it was
2: but isn't this, the, um, isn't this down to Dana Broccoli as well with Connery? Isn't she, isn't she the one who said he walked like a panther? Yeah,
0: and she'd seen Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which was that mm. slightly mawkish, leprechauny late It's terrible. Show. If you
2: haven't seen it, don't bother with I it. I saw
0: it no. one Saturday afternoon on ITV, and it was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, it was like, it was, oh, my God. It's
2: interesting seeing Connery at least try and do another accent, mm, mm. which he would repeat again in The Untouchables, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, but, yeah. Yeah, it's a dreadful film.
0: But, it, but it's, it got him noticed it was you know springboard into into this. Um,
2: it's always interesting to see any actor, particularly ones who go on to play these huge parts, the sort of small parts. It's like when you see Harrison Ford in American Graffiti. Yes. Things like that. You're like, oh, I can see how he became this huge megastar after this because he's clearly outshining everybody in this scene with how he looks.
0: Yeah, I mean, with Connery, ultimately, you and Roger Moore as well, you can't just walk into a frame and and say, Bond, James Bond, you have to bring something of your own to yeah. the table. And Connery, particularly in Doctor No, is almost uh, that panther-like phrase, that panther is used way too much, but there's a sort of balletic grace to how he, he st- I was watching it going, God, it's so what, you always move like a drag queen. It's like one foot in front of the other, like you're in heels. Mm-hmm. There's a real plodding, you know, sort of sultry feline gait to him. And I'm that's sh- sure that's what they picked up on.
2: Also, former bodybuilder, so kind of used to presenting
0: himself physically. True, but it was one of those that yeah. era of bodybuilding where it's all that Robert Mitchum just breathe in and do this yeah. that that dad, like dads do, yeah, you know, summer barbecues. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't really a ripped Ryan Gosling.
2: No, true, but still I mean, if you look at him, if you look at him in this and then Diamonds Are Forever, you can see one one's a bodybuilder. Ones are fairly like smoking and drinking.
0: I kind of love his body and drivers are forever. Not actually love, it, not actually love it, but <laughs> I remember I'm sh- there was a cut, the version that was on ITV, where I'm sure, and this is in my weird pubescent head, I'm sure, but I'm sure I saw mm. the top of Connery's lower thatch. I'm like, oh my god god and then
2: i think you do yes but it's that bit where he's walking austin powers like yeah yeah he's walking across the room but everything kind of blocks his groin but at the one minute you see a bit of pube i'm sure Uh,
0: yeah and i was like oh no that's that is literally like catching your dad in the in the bath oh no i don't need to see that oh quick put on doctor no get him back to jamaica where he's kind of hot and cool because
2: there's that bit in diamonds of forever when he's on like a little moon buggy scooter thing Mm with the fat tyres, I and mean, it looks like a dad on holiday in Lanzarote. That's right, but it, that's yeah. what's
0: glorious about that film. It has a sort of 1am, the nightclubs over vibe to it, literally. and metaphorically. I will defend that
2: film to my dying day. I love it. Oh, that. I love that, was that film. I do actually
0: think it's one of the best Bond films, and again, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't get much uh, credit for that, but I, just the dialogue alone is the best dialogue of any Bond film, just it's collectively. Like, it's,
2: it's like they've thrown a Roger Moore film at Sean Connery.
0: As, but through a sort of Batman '60s lens yes. of barbed wit, and it's it's really stabbing that film. It stabs at mm. like, Petro Tool, Disney, Mickey Mouse, Bambi mm. and Thumper, Playboy. It's really stabbing American culture very carefully, and that's all Tom Mankiewicz and his. I'd love to have met him. He was one, would have been one of my uh, dinner party guests, Tom.
2: I was a hero, of mine. I was devastated when he died. Mm.
0: He's was one of the ones I thought, "I'll meet you. This, this will happen. Mm. We'll sort this." And then uh, fate had other plans.
2: Well, one of my—I talked about this in another podcast. But my favorite film of all time is *Superman* the movie. Mm. And it wouldn't be my favorite film of
0: all time without Tom Mankiewicz. So no, and his finger is actually on a lot more Bond films than he gets credit for. He—he he yes. had a little sweep through on what you know the later '70s ones, and then Spy, love me. Yeah, mm. and then also *Gremlins*, *Batman*. He—he, he, mm. there's lots of films that he had his. Uh, fingerprints on i ma, ma, i know one of his nephews i think or uh, just by a social media he's a, a sort of anchor man in america yes he, uh, josh I'll say josh mankovitz it is josh man and he yeah. just privately told me some lovely stories you know the, the the right things you want to hear about tom just being a cool cat and the one the younger mankovitz used to look up to
2: yes i wrote an obituary of mankovitz with a uh, website I used to work with Ruth to write for and uh, josh retweeted it
0: mm. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. He's a good guy. So he loved him. He loved him. Yeah, as we all did. Yeah,
0: yeah and he. I mean, there's a, such a story there. I've got his book as well as I'd, uh, you probably have it as well. But I'd, mm. I'd urge people to read it because uh, yeah, it, it's very insightful about Hollywood and just structuring a story and structuring a story in a contemporary way. Yeah, anyone can know how to write and structure a script, but to give it yeah. a contemporary resonance, you know, uh, and that's yeah, that's what he did with Diamonds Are Forever and Superman.
2: Well, if you ever want a, a, a joy for two out, three and a bit hours, I strongly recommend you listen to the Superman movie commentary with him and Richard Donner. Mm. Mm. It's just two old Hollywood friends just chatting. Yeah. Yeah. And also also coming to the table with the same opinion of this is not going to be us. We're not pissing about. We're going to make it set almost Nolan-esque, as, as Nolan-esque as you could get in those days. Mm. Mm. Of saying, we're setting this in the real world. We're not having Telly Savalas cameoing or, you know.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
2: Anyway, we've... we've...
0: Cross- Dr. Yes, no. Doctor No. Back to the beginning. <clears throat>
2: uh, yes, yeah, so Bond arrives in Jamaica. He gets picked up by a driver, but he doesn't trust him at all. And he's quite smug when he uh, he says to him, where are, you, where, are you, where are you from? And he says, Government House. So He, he says, I'm just going to use the phone. And he nips out and rings Government House. And they're like, no, no, we haven't sent a driver. Mm. And I
0: enjoy that because he's very smug. Mm. That's a good beat of Bond being ahead of the audience. And it's one of those mm. little rewards. Oh, I like him. And you know, pulling him into the character. And it also has the broccoli chauffeur thing, which I am biased. I'll always notice this. But almost every Bond film has a chauffeur in it. That's true. In fact, in Skyfall... I was just going to say, Skyfall... He plays the chauffeur. He's at the airport uh, Mm. trailing Berenice Marlowe.
2: Um, So he gets in the car and he's being tailed. The the driver starts driving really fast and he says, we're being tailed. So Bond gets him to pull off. Not like that. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so they stop and then he just... Says to him, I know you're not from Government House, where are you from? And then they have that little fight where
0: the guy runs at him and Bond just does that sort of judo flip. Yeah, he does that weird, it's almost like, like Bambi and Thumper rehearsal. It's, yeah. it's like they're blocking the Bambi and Thumper scene just nine years later.
2: Mm. Uh, but it turns out the, the guy won't tell him and then just takes the suicide pill. Uh, in much the same way I'd do if James Corden ever spoke to me.
0: Yeah, but I'd never pick James Corden up from a Jamaican airport. No, it's true. Because he'd never be cast in a James Bond film. So. Oh, don't say that. He's going to be now, isn't he? Oh no, no. I watched Cats. I watched Cats the other day. He was actually the only decent thing in it. Because he he turns oh, to the camera and almost goes, does a, yeah, it's this bad. Yes.
2: So Bond drives to the government house and speaks to them, and then says basically, I want to see everybody Strangways was playing with that night, and then he says, I want to see them in their natural environment
0: yes and then it, like they're pandas yes and it re- i love how jamaica's quite dangerous i mean it is when mm. it's come up again and who's who knows what I mean, it keeps coming back to no time to die doesn't it um, mm. but i i i love I, again the Bond films always get accused of being these sort of glamour la miami hotspots, and they are obviously but often they're not so at the beginning of uh, Doctor No, where we see the three blind men, so they're trailing along some dirt track curb. Although I don't understand how they can walk so near the curb if they're blind. Um, yeah. And it's 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 the back end of Jamaica, and I like where Bond does that. I want I want more back ends of places, as it were, in the.
2: Well, it's, it's like the Man with the Golden Gun. There's no part of the Man with the Golden Gun, but it looks like oh, I'd love to go there. Yes, that's, yeah.
0: apart from the island at the end,
2: but everything else looks like a shit. It's sort of
0: like yeah, the the night the street scenes. It's sort of like woking. It's sort of,
2: yeah, yeah, it's horrible. yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes to meet everybody at the club and then sort of says to everybody, you know, does Strangways have any enemies or anything he did that was a bit weird? And everybody's just like, oh, I don't know, I can't think of anything. And then Dent's like, ah, oh, probably eloped with his secretary. She was rather nice, mm. which instantly makes him a suspect.
0: Yes, in that sort of profumo era world.
2: Oh. Yeah, and then Playdell Smith, who's uh, one of the people who was playing the with Strangler tonight, says his latest big obsession was fishing. And this friend Potter mentions that a chap called Quarrel was the most expensive to charter all the fishermen, which I'm assuming means he also offered sort of hand relief.
0: Possibly, yes, possibly. Mm-hmm. And photo ops so that photos can be left on sort of narr- oh, yeah. narrative shells at the right moment. Yes, they certainly can. What is it about fishing photos in films always give away things? It's not just Bond. There's always, ah, yeah. look who he went fishing with in this picture, yes. Also, the fishing people he goes away with always get killed. That's true. Yeah, he's he's not perhaps the best. Well, maybe,
2: maybe Quarrel Jr. is all right. I can't remember. I think he's all right. Yeah, Bond's... But
0: certainly Sharky. Bond's Trip Advisor reverse review is probably not great. Absolutely. No.
2: Don't ever go fishing with this man.
0: Yeah, you're, I'm thinking of um, um, uh, what's her name? Actress in Thunderball. Um Oh, gosh, I uh, met her recently and she hasn't aged, which oh, is, oh, is. Oh, I know, Martin, Martin Bezick, yeah. Martin, Martin yeah. Bezick. She's also done a bit of fishing and comes a cropper as well. And Valerie Leon in um, Never Say Never Again. Yeah, there's a yeah. Do Not Go Fishing with Bond.
2: Yeah. I read that on the net.
0: Oh, the, the interwebs.
2: Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, go Bond goes to sea. Bob goes to see Quarrel and says uh, he says to a woman can you tell me where I can find Quarrel and she should say outside Weatherspoons at 11 but no she he's was, she wouldn't though no. because Weatherspoons didn't exist then
0: so yeah he goes and finds uh, the, these, the local cleaning his boat and all of that
2: yeah and then basically, and then the guy says oh, just follow me and he takes him into the back room of a bar and attacks him But he hasn't countered with the fact that it's James Bond who knows how to judo flip.
0: Into empty boxes of red stripe. Loads of them. Yeah. Which I'm sure was probably an early product placement. Again, the Bond films. Oh. Oh, it's ridiculous that Bond's drinking Heineken and there's beer and booze adverts everywhere. Well, again, it was there in the beginning. It's there in the novels.
2: Yep. I love all the product placement bomb films because this, I mean, some of the later ones have been a bit in your face, but sometimes they were just quite fun. Like the, you know, you think of the tank going through the Perrier in Goldeneye mm.
0: and the BA billboards in Rio, the British yes. Airways ones, and the Chinsano. Well, I love Moonrake because it's like seven up Chinsano Concord. Yep. It's
2: that. There's also a bit in the Living Daylights when he's driving through Gibraltar in the, you know, when he's in the Jeep. Mm. They go through loads of umbrellas, which are some alcohol. I can't remember which alcohol it is now.
0: It's all those ones your parents used to have in the cupboards. Yeah. And you wouldn't, exactly. when they went away when you were like 15 or 16. In fact, first time I got really drunk or drunk ever was on Chinsano because I I thought it must be pos because it's always in Bond films on like sort of umbrellas that get knocked sideways. I'm not joking there either.
2: It's like Canada Dry as well, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So, the, yeah, first time I was age 15, got really drunk. Went to see Rocky Five with a mate and then we got bladdered on Chinsano. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, so Bond thinks he's got the best of these two people and he's backing out of the room and he gets the gun in the back and it's the man that's been telling him who we don't know it is yet but it turns out it's Felix Leiter of the CIA and Quarrel and the other chap are working with him so they're all on the same team
0: yeah it's that tri- and they still do it where oh who's this mm-hmm. new act? that's why they keep changing the actor It's to, to, to yeah. reignite that that little trope and trick of uh, oh it's, well, I suppose it still works it's still cool when we realise it's Jeffrey Wright but I'd love it if they cast uh, Felix, who we, we didn't know was in the film. So suddenly, you know, it's... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. My
2: favourite one is he's not he's not Felix. He's mildly connected to Felix, but it's in Live and Let Die where Rog knocks out the two guys who are about to kill him. And as he goes to pick up the gun, you hear, drop it! Mm. Yeah. And it turns out it's uh, the guy working for Felix. Yes. Yeah. He says, good disguise, Barn, the white man, and harem.
0: Yes, exactly. A great scene with Felix... He's holding up the ties, and Bond goes, that's a little frenetic, that'll do, and they uh, get rid of that. <laughs> it's sort of just like, done.
2: A genuine Felix lighter. Mm.
0: Um,
2: so, <laughs> so, Felix, they're all on the same team, and they go for a bar at night, and they meet this girl who's been uh, photographing James since he arrived at the airport. And this bit's just weird, mm. Mm. where she's basically saying that she's been paid to take pictures of him. Mm. Uh, and when they try and hold her against the wheel, she smashes the, one of the bulbs from her camera
0: and slices coral in the face with him mm. and he laughs yeah it's a gr- it's a grim beat but i think it's it, it's grim already when she's licking the bulb at the airport i mean yeah I, maybe that's like a f- early photography trick but it's really mm. kinky and it kind of it always underlines the little slight vice and kink of bomb's world like uh, but yeah, yeah then when she crunches it and that, you know that's broken glass is vicious however you use it and it's still vicious yeah. that little beat but yeah he's sort of and then he's left with that that technicolor red blood that they all have in the movies of that time that doesn't yeah sort of i don't know what color that red is but it doesn't actually exist i think it's
2: letterbox red
0: yeah yeah it's sort of golden gate bridge red yeah yeah
2: yeah it's so you can see them bleeding at night
0: yes yeah and there's loads uh, of that uh, to know uh, there's loads of that color
2: there is, uh, but they hear that this is where he first starts hearing about how crab keys, there's something going on there. So he goes back to see Professor Dent, who was clearly the dodgiest one out of the three, and says, you know, what was your dealing with strangways And Dent says that uh, he's a geologist, and that strangways was after him some information about some rocks to see if any of them were valuable. But none of them were, and he threw them all away. Mm. But he says, in such a dodgy way, that Bond's like, mm, I don't believe a word you're saying.
0: Yes, and it's quite brave to sort of make geology i mean the next time it does its future kill um and apart from me no one like that but um yeah the sort of role of geologists stones and bricks and or rocks are really not great entertainment but
2: isn't there a bit of quantum solace with a geologist as well
0: oh yes
2: slate mm. who, who, who it, then yeah. sounds like a rock yes yeah. yes he does there you go uh but then he's he's a bit spooked by bond's visit so he goes to visit he goes all the way to crab key to visit Dr. No. And he's shown into what looks like the interior of a bath. So you've got this kind of big white room and then you've got this cross in the ceiling that comes down. It looks like he's a plug hole. Mm. And he's basically said, you have to kill this man. He's a nuisance. And um, so he gives him a giant spider.
0: It's a beautiful moment there. And I think it was probably like, mm. like most, a bit like Morris Binder suddenly panicking and finding some white dots 10 minutes before his title sequence pitch. But I'm sure there's some improvisation, last-minute thing where Ken Adam did... Well, it's probably lack of budget. You know, what can you do when you haven't got a yeah. budget? Well, I'll just, you know, I'll create one wall or the impression of a wall and I'll use a shadow to create the rest. And it's beautiful. And it's, yeah. it's all, again, it's all over, you know, the the new villain in the next, the next James Bond film. There's an element of that, that that's beautiful uh, Ken Adam sense of Cold War modernism. And that's the
2: end of part one of this episode of SmirshPod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time.
0: People down Kingston Town, you know, all the people go jump up. Waving arms about, weaving in and out, it's so easy to jump up. Take a pretty girl, make a whirl, and then both begin again, jump up. Hold her very tight, then for all the night you'll we'll be doing the jump to get now, jump up, jump up. Jamaica, bump up, bump up. Jamaica jump up music. Jamaica, you'll never want to make you never wanna stop, jump up, jump up, jump up. Jamaica, bump up, jump up. Jamaica jump up music
1: want to stop, jump up
2: <laughs>
0: Listen to the band, take her hand say, and say Here we go, let's jump up Like a ball of fire, you will never tire When you're doing the jump up All the people down, Kingston, down You know, all the people
2: go jump up you will be lost, but we'd want pride of Never give up, the jump up Jump up, jump up, jump up.
0: If you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Concessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Heighton and myself, Beck Hill, where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Con Sessions.
1: Great big.